Welcome to the Buck and Strutton Podcast, the chronicles of two unlegendary public land hunters. Your home for hunting tactics, strategies, and stories. Folks, welcome back to the uh, the Buck and Strutton podcast. Today, I've got my partner on here, Dustin Rector, and your co-host. We are just kind of going to go through and talk about the things that are happening on the podcast. We're going to talk about some new things that are taking place and what our 2021 deer season is going to look like. So with that, Dustin, it's been a long time since we've done a podcast with just me and you like this is kind of the og status right here so, i know right how you been man pretty good about you you know dude it's it's always the same old stuff this time of year completing the honey do list just getting shit ready for the fall and making sure my archery game's on point i mean i'm i'm very guilty of i don't shoot as much as what i should and i feel that every time it gets to be around this time of year, it's like you're you're scrambling to, to get reps in with the bow. Yeah, I can feel that. Probably a little guilty of that myself, but you know, something something to work on this summer. Just got my bow back from the shop, got new strings on it, so getting arrow setups all rigged up and ready to go. And hell, here before too long. What is it? Fourteen weeks, and we're ready to rock at it again. Yeah, I mean, it, it's really, in retrospect, not that far away from getting out there and being back in the tree stand. Oh, yeah. It it always kind of, it just amazes me that turkeys were on the mine probably just about a month ago. And now it's it's full-blown whitetails for the most part. Yep. You know, we, we we're doing something different. I mean, I... I've never hunted out of state. You've never hunted out of state, but we're we're planning a trip to Kentucky. And I I have I have pretty high expectations for that. I don't know about you. Yeah, I'm looking I'm definitely looking forward to it, you know, getting to a place that you've never been to before. It just I don't know, there's some about it. Even like around here if there's a piece of public, like I just scouted some new conservation ground around here earlier this year never been to it before already can tell that there's a pretty good number of deer on the place it seems like i don't know age class or you know structure within that population there specifically how it's going to look but i can already tell you there's quite a few deer there just based on sign kind of the area it's it's a little out there there's not too much access to it but you know, going to a new place that you've never been to before, just there's something about it and going in and looking at hot sign and trying to find what you can and getting on top of things. My main goal for this trip overall is just to really hone in on skills, identifying rub lines, finding scrapes, 
all the hot sign, everything that you need, and then just getting in and seeing deer. That's my main goal for this trip is just to get in and see deer. If I can kill one, if I can kill two, awesome. But other than that, I'm really just trying to hone in my craft and just get back to the mentality of being an overall a better woodsman, which is something I think that is important for hunters today because I feel like we're losing touch with that is that woodsman side of things i i think you're right you know since we've kind of started to really dibble dabble and I, I wouldn't say we're we're in the outdoor industry but we're damn sure trying to get there we're we're always reading different articles we're watching different videos and seeing what other guys are doing and a big consensus that we see with this is everybody just wants to get out there and they want it to instantly happen. They, they want it. They think that, Oh, if I buy this, this, and this, I'm going to get out there and see big bucks. And that's not the case. No, definitely not. One of the best things I've ever seen was something that Dan Johnson had just posted on a story here a while back. And I made sure to screenshot it and save it and, just keep it in my memories on my phone. Vanity won't help you kill deer. And that's one of the greatest things I think I've ever seen come off social media. Because like you sit there and you look at it and it's, you know, it's like, I admit it, I'm, I own up to it. Because it's like, I buy stuff that's really not necessary. I buy new clothes damn near every couple years or so because it's just like, well, I want to try this out. I like this. I like testing and I like buying new hunting shit. I'm guilty of it. I think we all are. But at the end of the day, you know, you can go out and you can be the most decked out, expensive setup, whatever bow you shoot, whatever clothing you wear. In the end, it all comes down to you and the decisions you make as a hunter and where you choose to put yourself in those situations. That's going to set you up for success. I don't think that there's any, there are slight exceptions but I don't think that there's any tools in your arsenal that per se, just because of the name, it's not going to help you kill deer any better than what it comes down to yourself. I mean, the, the best thing that you can do, it, it's totally fine, you know, to kind of recap on what you're saying, it's totally fine to go out and buy stuff, test it out and see if you like it or not. But the best thing that you can do is really get in tune with the woods and yep. learn to read hot sign, recognize old sign and, and take it from there, you know? And that's where I felt last year and every year that since you and I have started really hunting together every, every year, it seems like we're just getting closer and closer and closer and closer. We just haven't hit the nail right on the head yet. And right. when we ended the 2020 uh, deer season, we did a lot of self reevaluating on that of what the hell are we doing wrong you know we're putting the time in we're doing x y and z we're going through the checklist but we're coming up short on certain things and that's where you know by the time this episode comes out we uh we had already talked with with tony peterson and i mean that guy just he nails it on the head with with really what you need to be doing you know it, it doesn't matter. Deer, deer are going to move no matter what the weather conditions are. 
you just got to be where the damn deer are. Yep. And to do that, it's reading sign. But I, but I liked how, you know, when you and I were going out and doing some postseason scouting and trying to learn about new areas and going through and fine combing older areas that we have, it became more about really understanding the terrain. You know, that the one day that we went out to a piece of public that we had never found, like we had never set foot there. It was just, we, we found it on the maps and we're like, all right, let's go check this out. You got on the trail, you know, we found, we found a deer trail. You, you got on that trail and you followed it, you know, you followed it. You looked at the tracks that were there. You followed the tracks and I mean, good night that day we found multiple beds and th- and that's beneficial that to the success of hunting whitetails understanding these little things i mean it can't hurt you i mean it no for it, sure it's only, only going to help you out yeah for sure and that's one thing too like you just pointed out right there you know if you're like say you're looking at onyx or whatever online aerial map base or even if you're just looking at regular charts or topographical maps understanding terrain is one of the biggest things and it's just huge it's a huge key if you're getting new into bow hunting or hunting whitetails in general or even hunting turkeys anything that you hunt if you can understand terrain and the way the animals work it is going to benefit you greatly because immediately you're going to be able to X and cross out areas where it's just like, I don't need to waste my time here. I, I just don't, unless you get to those areas and it's in person and it seems as if, you know, those areas with awesome elevation change and just terrain breaks, if everything is on point and just looks cherry, but there's pressure there. And then you turn around and it's like, well, the area that I would never have even thought about touching, that's where all the deer are at. You know, that's where that woodsman side kicks in. It's just like your instinct. You just, you feel it, you know it. You look at the sign, it's there. Because interesting enough, you know, it's like you can read articles and I've even begun to notice this myself, but it's like certain areas where big deer live and mature deer, especially, it's like, you won't see as many rubs or as many scrapes around those areas because when deer get really accustomed to people, they get very, very smart, very, very quick. And they begin to notice they're like, well, if I leave too much of my sign around here, there's enough, if there's enough billboards that says go this way to find me, that's putting me in danger and that's jeopardizing my position. So a lot of times this past season, I've noticed that just getting on those trails, even the slightest, most faint of trails, if you can find tracks in them. And of course there comes the exception. It's you find your tracks in the dirt. And I mean, any deer that's substantial weight, their hoof is going to split in the front, their dew claws in the back. They're going to impress into the ground. There's no real way of sexing a deer on the hoof when you really break it down and you get in the scientific part of it. But the rumor has always been that if you see a track real heavy, real deep with a split fork in the front, real wide gap, that that's more than likely it's a buck. 
that's what I always tend to seem to look for. And since doing that a few years ago, really paying attention to those key details, I generally will find somewhere along those track lines, I will find rubs with it. So there are definitely older, more mature deer that are traveling those routes. Those will travel them too, because I mean, come fall and come rut, when she's ready to breed and she's in cycle, you know, sometimes that they're going on the move themselves and they're looking for the right mate to go with too, which is something that actually we had talked about with, uh, with Mark Haslam here just a while back is that it almost seemed to, I think it was, he was saying that there was a study done that does were actually going to the more mature, more mature deer in their herd with bigger antlers for a mate if I'm not mistaken. No, I think, oh, who was it? I don't remember. I, I, I guarantee if you pulled it up on Google right now, you would find who did that study. I think it was the University of Mississippi. I think that's what Mark yeah. said. I'd have to go back and double check because I know that they do a lot of research as far as whitetails. And I've read some conducted studies that they've done before. And it just, it blows my mind how... Deer are far more, I learned this the more and more I go out. Deer are far more smarter than what people give them credit for. They're more like us than what people give them credit for, which is funny too, because we're talking about research and studies that are done. And I actually really wanted to get to bring this up because, you know, I mean, it was just posted here just a day or two ago. This past season, the longest trek of a whitetail buck that's ever been recorded just came out and it was in the state of Missouri. This buck during this past rut for the 2020-2021 deer season traveled, I think it was a little over 200 miles. So pretty much breaking it down, he went from one part of the state all the way to the other side of the state. I mean, it, it's just, it's crazy to think about how far one will travel and how far one will go and, you know, just, I mean, how resilient they are. Yeah, and the fact that we have now the technology to actually do it, you know, like there's more research being done on whitetails than there ever has been before. And I, I mean, you start reading all these things, and it, it's it's very interesting. It it, it kind of confirms some some theories. I mean, just kind of even going back talking about the uh, the tracks and how you really can't put a sex to it, but you, you start seeing rubs around these big tracks, you can kind of narrow it down, you know? And I mean, you know that if it's a big track, it's either a really mature doe or a really mature buck. I mean, we, we see small tracks, medium-sized tracks all the time, and you can clearly differentiate at least the maturity level of that. The uh, this the whitetail journey that I mean we've been doing this for almost two years and about a year with the podcast now. I will say that since we've started this and I've devoted X amount of time to whitetails and really now I'm addicted to turkey hunting. It just amazes me the amount of information that you learn. You know, 
we uh some more big news that we have coming up here is we uh we started an nda branch you know and that that right there it kind of correlates with part of our you know our pillars or foundations to what we want buck and strutting outdoors to be is to provide some sort of education and mentorship opportunities let alone you're doing something good for con conservation so if you are in the um the southwest missouri area and you want to shoot the shit and talk about whitetails or just getting involved with a with a great group of, group of guys you know shoot us a message and get in contact we'd love to have you guys come out to a, a pint night or a bow shoot we have planned coming up here in the future be a lot of fun it'd be a lot yeah. of fun so how oh, yeah, uh, for sure dustin when you think about us going to kentucky i mean we we both just got we we've upgraded to the the onyx elite you know uh there's a lot of public land in kentucky there is there there's a lot there's of a public land so how <laughs> how are how are we going to go about narrowing this down and getting to a place i think the best way for us to do this and it sounds almost cliche at this point because this is what everyone says when it comes to public land and going and traveling around you got to find the areas that no one else is going to that or far fewer people are going to it's like you're thinking outside the box you're pulling all these tricks out of the bag like dan and fall you're dating the fat chick you're either setting up next to roads or places places where people don't think that deer are going to be or you're just pushing it and hiking it all the way back in there you know maybe two maybe up to three miles if you're taking it that seriously but I just think overall, it's getting to that public access that not a lot of people get to. And it's just boots on the ground. You know, I would say for a trip like this, in the entirety of it, if we're taking, say, four to five days to go on this trip, it's going to be more or less, I would say, give a ratio, 80% scouting and probably 20% hunting, which most of the time anymore as it is. That's why I love evening hunting so much is because if I get out there, let's say noon or one o'clock and I'm hiking around an area and it's like, all right, I'm seeing rubs. I'm finding sign. If I'm jumping deer, honestly, the more I look at it, that's good. I'm getting on top of deer. Now I'm not jumping to the point where I'm running right into them and they're identifying what i am if anything i'm moving slow i'm taking my time you know just old tricks that i got taught when i was a kid getting taught at a deer hunt the slower you move the better because deer they're you know they're very curious to movement around them and so if you're going through you might bust a deer if they turn around and they're looking at you whether it be a doe buck whatever if they can't pick you out or make you out what you are they're more likely to wander off and walk away, but yet they'll likely come back around. If you get right on top of where they're wanting to be that evening, you know, going to feed, doing whatever, chances are you're probably going to get right back on top of them again. I mean, that, and that's kind of, I think they call that like soft contact, you know, like you're going in there, but you're not, 
blowing the deer out into the next county. Right. So, and, and that's kind of, you know, when we start really looking at these different land, different parcels of public in Kentucky, I mean, it's, it's kind of a no brainer. If you have a couple hundred acres of, of public versus a 2000, 3000 acre parcel, we're probably going to go with the two to 3000 acre parcel. Cause right. we can probably get back in there far enough or find where there's not a lot of human sign. And the plus thing is, is we'll be there during the week. That, that kind of correlates with the same mindset that we have around here. We hunt during the week, and we're, we're fortunate enough to be able to do that with, with our jobs. You, you don't run into as many hunters as you do a Saturday morning or a Saturday evening. No, you don't. So I, I think that Kentucky is going to be fun. I think it's going to be a great time. I don't care how it goes down but we're not eating tag soup no we're not if it's if it's smacking slick heads then i'm i'm all game for it yeah and that's the other thing too you know it's like the more i've thought about it over time and i'll admit and i'll even own up to it it's like the past two seasons i have been more than fortunate enough to be able to fill some tags and i've harvested two two and a half year old bucks the past two years i mean it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. A lot of people want to diss and a lot of people want to hate on the guys that they go out and they shoot younger deer, but it's just like, I've hunted deer now for, I mean, probably all in a total six or seven years out of my life. And I've hunted deer very seriously for the past, I would say going on three with serious intent, probably to four years now. And you know, when, Really getting in and becoming a bow hunter versus just being a rifle hunter and getting out for that first weekend or maybe a three or four days out of a season and trying to really hone in on your skills and get on top of deer. It really, it will craft you into a better, into a better hunter and woodsman, in my opinion. And with that, you know, it's like the saying goes, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. You kind of got to take what kind of got to take what you're given in the moment right there and until you really start to build that confidence level up which i'm starting to get to the point where it's like okay around here missouri this is my home i've hunted here my whole life i'm starting to get to the point all right i'm kind of getting to where i think i need to graduate to a certain degree and move on to the next level i really need to start testing myself but then yet at the same time too, going to a new place like Kentucky, it's like, I've never been here before. It's the same animal, but I need to take this. to, I need to take this to draw on board. If I'm given the opportunity, not saying that I would shoot a two and a half year old buck over a three and a half year old or older. But if I get the opportunity and that's all that's there, you bet your bottom dollar, I'm probably going to take it. The, you know, it's funny that you're talking about how you feel that you're, you're kind of graduating and this, this directly correlates with the five stages of, of hunter development, you know, and like, this is a, a proven thing. You have your, your shooting stage, your limiting out stage, the trophy stage, the method stage, and then the sportsman's stage. And I think that 
every every hunter is on their own journey. They're on they're on their own journey, but we, we we have access to social media. We have access to all these things where I mean, damn dude, if you read into it hard enough, you feel like you're getting shamed. And and that's not okay. That, that that's not okay. We have to go out and do what you personally are able to do. And whether that's killing two and a half year old bucks or you're, you're killing does. And I mean, come to find out it's actually healthy for your deer herd to harvest does. You don't want more does than bucks. You know, we've talked in red. I mean, I'm taking this deer steward course and that directly correlates with good rutting activity. If you have either a lower number of does or a balanced sex ratio, you know, you're more liable to see more bucks having an increased level of rutting activity. And and, that, and that's science, you know? I, I just, the, the media stuff with all this is it, getting crazy with how people are perceiving deer hunting and what they feel like they need to do. You know, a guy that's hunting 2,000 acres of private land that's thoroughly managed, it's not the same as hunting public land anywhere you know it, it's not the same and can you still kill deer on both yeah but pressure what the habitat's like all these different factors come in and it, it's just mind-boggling to me that we're still living in a society where people are getting shamed on the deer that they killed and i think that i mean that's just human nature People are going to rag on each other no matter what generation or what day and age it is. But yet at the same time, it's like, I think we've lost touch definitely with the side of us as hunters, with that side of just overall being a good woodsman and honing in, perfecting your craft. And I feel like we're just losing that side, that, that touch of, you know, that, attitude of just be, being a killer you know like not saying that in a bad way because you can't go around social media anymore saying oh well i killed this deer it's it's harvest to be politically correct but we talked about it you know with seth porter a while back having that just that killer mentality like all the old timers your grandpa your dad whoever i mean part of it yeah I don't necessarily agree with going out, shooting the first thing you see, you know, killing a bunch of spikes or whatever. It's like, you, you shoot whatever you want to shoot. I'm not here to judge you for that. But it's just like, in my opinion, it's like, it is healthy for your deer herd to manage it accordingly. Take the proper amount of does, you know, manage the age class of bucks that you are shooting. If you want the full maximum healthiest deer herd as possible. But I guess where I'm getting to with this is that we've just kind of lost that side of, I'm not going to take this shot and it baffles me because you can have a three and a half year old deer, which is for public land. I mean, around here, I would figure most places that's a pretty decent age deer. And based upon that age, you know, it's probably going to score pretty, pretty well too. I'm not going to take this deer because 
it could use another year and it's not old enough because this guy over here said it. I've never even met him before in my life. He just posted this on social media, though. To me, that's ridiculous. You're out there to do you. You're out there to have fun. And the moment that it quits being fun for you because you're doing it for other people, that's the moment you need to take a step back and reevaluate things. Because, I mean, if your knees are knocking and you're shaking and your teeth are chattering and you're just pumped up, even if it's a two and a half year old deer, if you're acting like that in the moment that you can see it and it's walking in and you're getting back full draw or you're getting across hairs on it or anything, if you're that excited about it, that is the deer that you need to take in that moment right there. Because ultimately that is your trophy and that's what's going to make you happy. Exactly. Exactly. And that's where the, the word trophy is. It's so, you know, you, you have quote unquote trophy hunting, but you look at it a little bit deeper. That guy that, you know, just got into archery and he's taught himself everything. And that, that little four corn that he just killed, that's his trophy. You know? Yeah. And that's, that was a, that was a rabbit hole. <laughs> oh, we laid it all out. So, you know, we, we got Kentucky coming up. That's going to be a freaking blast. And then after, after I graduate from college, I think we're, we're going to Wisconsin. Yeah. We're going to go leak up with our buddy, uh, Kyle Beeson and, <laughs> Apparently he's going to show us what Wisconsin uh, deer hunting is all about. Yeah, I'm I'm pumped for it. I'm game. I'm ready. Yeah, it's been a while, man. I was you know born and raised in Michigan, but it's been a while since I've uh, dealt with those those uh, frigid temps. Yeah, and I have a. I mean, there's a good chance we're going to go up there, and it's going to be cold as shit. Oh, probably so. <laughs> oh. Hopefully, uh, hopefully Kyle's got some backstrap that we can munch on, and hopefully we can get some ourselves up there. I mean, it's it's going to be an exciting year for Buck and Strutting Outdoors. You know, there, there's a lot that's happening within starting an NDA branch and getting our foot in the door there, and we're going to not just one but two different states to bow hunt whitetails. I mean, I can't think of a better yeah. way to i can't think of a better way to end the year but let alone we're going to kentucky a little bit earlier in the season to start out your your bow hunting season you know it'll be a really good time so i guess you know what are you with with this season what are you going to do differently in the aspect of strategy I would say for myself, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of resort back to those same things that I was really trying to hone in on this past season. But I would say as far as different, something I've done in the postseason and off season scouting is looking for sign that I never really paid much or gave much attention to before, you know, it's like when you get on certain deer trails and it depends what time of the year it is. Spring is one of the best times like 
not even just right in the dead of winter, but I mean, when it starts to warm up, that is the best time to get out and do a lot of scouting, I think, because when you're looking for beds or trying to find bedding areas or even on like heavy trails, you know what trails are being used hot and heavily the most in those moments. Look for hair. Even on brush, the ground, under the leaves, you know, you'll kick it up. And if you can find mass amounts of deer hair on the ground, you get up next to logs or whatever, even if there's no impression of a bed being there, start kicking around leaves underneath. That's something that I think that me and you even experience. Like you were saying, the piece of public that we went to, never been to it before, but, you know, just really taking in every detail that you can and having such fine attention to detail and really trying to identify what did this deer come here for? Because deer move with purpose. They don't move blatantly. They're not going somewhere just because, oh, I'm in the middle of the woods, so I'm just going to go walk over here just to go look. No, they go there with a purpose. They go there with reason. And I think I'm really trying to hone in more on figuring out the why of where deer are going, whether it be just for cover, feeding, later during the season, rutting activity, pretty much anything for that matter. I'm really just trying to figure out the why of why deer are using a specific area at a given time so I can figure out how I'm going to go in and approach it, what time I'm going to hunt it, what part of the season I'm going to hunt it, understanding the thermals and the wind in that area and how we need to access it. Right on. I mean, it, that, that kind of correlates with the same thing that I'm, I plan on doing. And I'm so guilty of this, man. I'm, I'm so guilty of, I have spots that, you know, they, we call them the honey holes and all these different areas that we always see deer in, but I just get so sucked into those areas that I feel like I miss out on a lot of opportunities because I'm hunting an area versus hunting where the deer are. And I'm telling you, when this season rolls around, if I'm doing that crap, put my ass in check because <laughs> you put, we put too much effort into, you know, running trail cameras and learning about the public areas that we're hunting, whether that's boots on the ground or spending hours behind a map, you know, that's wasted. If all I'm going to do is sit in the same damn area now, right now, if it's worth hunting and it's consistent, that's different. But <laughs> if I'm, if during the rut, I sit in the same damn spot, just banking on the fact that something's going to come through when there's so many other places, even in this area that I can go to, <laughs> put me in check because yeah. I can do that. And like, that's what you were just saying right in there too. It was just like the two words and I'm going to call it out because it, it's the devil's advocate for deer hunters. I feel like anymore. And like we've talked about, it's that instant gratification kind of feeling is what people look for anymore. Trail camera. 
I love running trail cameras as much as the next guy. I love getting cards. I love pulling cameras. I love looking at pictures. I love pictures of deer. I love knowing what's in my area because I already get to, I like to think creatively and paint pictures in my head. And I think when I'm in a tree stand in that one exact spot, it's like, you know, this, this opening here is just, it's perfect. He's going to walk right through here. This beautiful nine point with a little kicker on the side, you know, just, it's not big, but it's just enough. It's a little bit of a detail. His eye guards, they're kind of running crossways, a little funny, just beautiful deer. He's going to come through right here. And then you get, you just get sucked into that. You get glued into it. It's like there's rubs everywhere around here. He was there at one point in time, but he may not be there right now. And that's where you kind of need to go back and be like, okay, I need to never stop scouting is one of the things that, you know, I feel like we can work on. It's like taking the time and really going through, taking everything in, giving 80% of your time to like on foot scouting, doing your stuff, and then 20% actually being in the stand and watching for deer. I think that's a great way to go about it because for one, if you're moving slow through the woods, you're taking your time, noticing everything, you know where they're going to be at. And then that last 20%, if you've played your cards right, you paid attention to your wind, your thermal, and just how you've moved and where you set yourself at, you know, you, you're ultimately just, you're going to set yourself up for success in the end. You're right. You're right. And I mean, if you think back, if you think back to two years ago, yeah, two years ago, we did that in a parcel. We, you know, we were just so damn stumped on deer movement. And like we, we know there's bucks here. Like we've seen them on the camera and we didn't get sucked. I mean, we got sucked into the camera pretty hard, but I remember that day vividly. It was, it was pouring down rain and we were like, all right, we're going to take this time and we're just going to walk around this area and look for sign. And then that's what led us to the same spot that you shot that two and a half year old. And then we came back a week later because the sign was still hot. And that's where I shot that beautiful eight point. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, that right there, if you, you reflect on that, that's what we need to be doing every time, you know, Yep. every time. And then you can take that and really put it into, okay, early season, where do I need to be? You need to be water, food sources, bedding, and good habitat. As we see that shift into the fall. You know, we, we have a lot of oaks around here. Yeah. Really figure out where your uh, pockets of acorn masses are going to be. And I mean, it's just even divulging further and understanding that deer prefer white oaks, acorns over red oaks. And that's, oh, I'm going to, I can't think of even the name. What is it? The, the, the tanneric acid? Yep. Okay. Yeah. I believe so. I remembered that. Quote me if I'm wrong, but it's somewhere in that ballpark. 
you know, just even learning that comes, that falls into the woodsman category. But you, you start paying attention to all these different things. And it's funny. It's like, man, if I could, I'm sure everybody would do the same. If they could go back and do last season different, they probably would. But that right there sets the tempo and raises the bar high for this upcoming season on what we're going to do. But the, um, and you know, that, that kind of leads us into, I really, I've, I've read a lot about this. And I mean, we've rattled the last couple of years and have had no luck. And there, the factors on that, I mean, you know, it, it could be sex ratio. It could be the fact that we're, we're rattling, but those those bucks are J-hooking and coming up, and they're catching our scent before it even happens. And that's where there, there was something. I don't remember where I was listening to it at or where I don't remember where I'd listened to it or read it. But, you know, if if you're rattling or if I'm rattling, have that person sit a couple hundred yards downwind and just see, kind of test a the theory out. Okay, are we getting busted before they even come up to us? Or how's that going? You know, and that's yeah. where, where too, I was reading some of uh, Bob Frasky's work with, with his mock scrape stuff. And he doesn't just, and I don't know why, I don't know why it was always perceived that you have to have, if you're going to create a mock scrape, you have to have one. But I want to go to an area, you know, find some scraping activity and then blow it up with maybe a half dozen scrapes and see what happens. See, put some, put a camera there and put it on the video, you know, maybe put two cameras there, one for photos, one for video of, did we just piss off the main man in this area because we blew these scrapes up? I mean, we can back that up with something that we saw with the with the whole button buck story. You know, there there's a lot of things that come this deer season. I'm excited to try out and really, really get into it. Yeah, for sure, I am too. And that's like thinking on it, uh, things that I'm planning on doing differently. You know, for certain areas that I've that we've hunted. And we've been looking into for the past couple of years. There's areas that I keep looking at that I think I'm going to venture further into and do some in-season scouting and looking around, seeing what potential it's got there. I think for areas like that, I think what I am going to try differently this year is running no trail camera in that area. I'm going to go completely old school and I'm going to go, I'm going to go in on a whim. If I'm seeing hot sign and if activity looks good and you can tell that there's a lot of deer there, then I'm just going to go in. I'm going to sit. I'm going to go for in for observations. And if something that I want to harvest comes out, you know, if I feel the need of myself to take it, then yeah, I'm, I'm going to do it.
No, you're you're right, man. I I think that it will be that will be very interesting. Trail cameras, man, they're they're a blessing, but by God, you you get all these photos, and I mean, it's different now because we in our county we can't put any any mineral out, so it's not like when we go set out a trail camera over a mock scrape. I mean, I was I was very surprised with how many bucks we actually had come into this mock scrape, even in just ones that we urinated in ourselves. That was that was very surprising to me, but it's nowhere near as the volume of what you get when you throw some deer cane out in the woods. But that that messes with you. You know, like you get all these photos of all these bucks ranging from, you know, a one and a half year old all the way up to we've had, you know, six and a half, seven and a half year old bucks come in. And I mean they're coming in for that purpose. For that mineral site. They might not even be remotely, like their core area might not be remotely close to this. Or you might be, you know, they might be coming X amount of miles to the mineral site. And then that throws you off thinking that they're in this, this plot of area when they're really not. So you're, you're hunting nothing. So it, I think that that's a good idea, you know. I think that, and that's a solid goal. I mean, that's only going to make you a better deer hunter. And that's all. Yeah, for sure. I think so. Is learning. It's freaking learning. Yeah. So with, uh, <laughs> that kind of gets us through our deer season. And I mean, our goals are in the past, we've talked about, which and it's kind of stupid in the past. We talked about, oh, well, our goals for this year, we're going to, only harvest a three and a half year old buck. And I look back on that now. Do I think it was a bad goal? No. Do I think I was ready for that? No. I think that that took a lot of fun out of deer hunting for me. And that burnout, by the time rifle season got over, it was there for me. It, it, it was there. And when you look back, I mean, I'm being really honest here about how I felt with all this. When, when I look back at that, I'm just like, why the hell did I even say that? Yeah, I definitely, I agree with what you're going with that. You know, it's, you gotta, in the end, you gotta, you gotta make it for you. You gotta do it for yourself and you gotta have fun with it. If you're not doing it for you and if you're not, if you're not having fun doing it, then there's no point in doing it. Deer hunting is one of those things it's, or hunting in general, you know, it's for me, it's always been, it's a personal thing. And I think for just about everyone, it's a personal thing. And I'll go as far as to say, you know, it's, it's damn near, if not, it, it's spiritual. Like, it's where you go, you find yourself. I've found myself multiple times in a tree stand and where I needed to be. And, you know, just realizing right there in the moment, it's like, this is what, this is what I'm here to do. I need to come out here and put myself in these situations and just, you know, taking everything that I've been given and 
enjoying it to its fullest extent. And if someone else has anything else to say about that, then honestly piss on them. I'm here for me in the end. Amen. Amen. Man, I, uh, I am so stoked for this upcoming bow season that, I mean, the excitement levels, it's kind of like what gets you through this, the shitty time of the year where it's 90 plus degrees outside and 150% humidity is what it seems. But I just, I cannot wait. I cannot wait to get back out there and to just really get after it. Yeah, I can't either. I'm, I'm stoked for it. I'm pumped. Knowing now, knowing what I know now, versus even just before last season and encounters and experiences that I've had with different deer and I places that I've hunted and places I've been and patterning deer in specific areas. I'm, I'm going into the season with pretty high hopes. You know, they always say, keep your expectations low and you'll never be disappointed. Well, I mean, I'm keeping them, keeping them level, but I'm still pretty excited for it. I think this season's got a lot of good things to come for both of us. I think you're right. I think you're right. And I think that because we, we've talked about even we, – we've talked about getting into some filming. And, I mean, I shoot, I am not a tech-savvy guy, so people out there listening thinking, oh, well, they're going to film, put up on YouTube. That'd be cool. Well, it ain't going to happen that fast. It ain't, it ain't going to happen that fast. But I can tell you, man – it would be so freaking cool to have a video camera and whether we do post it on YouTube or we just keep that for our personal memories, that'd be so much fun. That'd be so much fun. I mean, we, we have some big plans too with getting people out into the woods, whether it's our friends or people that they just want to go try hunting. Capturing those moments. I mean, my, my brother, he is for some. I don't know what it is. I don't know if if he just finally caught the sickness and is all in now. But he's out here buying left and right, to, buying new stuff for his for his bow and talking about getting a saddle and thinking that's the way that he wants to hunt. Hell yeah, I would love to be there the day or help him drag out his first deer. Yeah, and just see that see that emotion i mean that that for me that wasn't too far long ago you know and and that's where it just kind of comes back full circle to everybody's personal journey in my in my opinion is it, it wasn't too far long ago that i did kill my, my my first deer leading up to that i hunted i hunted and i thought i was hunting hard and i had mentors and i had really good mentors that they gave me the basic understanding, but I just needed that extra push. I needed that extra. I had the love for bow hunting. I just, I was doing it wrong. Not understanding and not researching the game that I was pursuing. Man, I just, I'd love to witness that. I would love to be there and witness these guys getting it done and eating that fresh backstrap or getting that summer sausage that everybody loves so much or getting it and turning it into jerky. I mean, that's some of the best freaking 
memories that I have so far is when all of us and out of our friend group, we get together and have a cookout and everybody brings their own damn venison recipe. We've had some good food. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to old Tyler. I mean, dude, those freaking, that queso that you made, that smoked queso with some ground up venison, that was bomb. I mean, you can't beat freaking backstrap or tenderloin. No. That, no, you can't. That takes the cake right there. That was, we had, whoo, we had, we had a lot that night. We ate good. Oh, yeah. I think that's where in the end, you know, you got to bring it back around to it. It's like hunting is one of those things. It's been with us for generations and years and decades. And no matter how long you want to look at it, it's camaraderie in the end that brings it all back together. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Well, folks, we're kind of coming up here on that uh, on that time hack. So be sure, guys, if you haven't already, go check out our, our new website. We're, uh, we're doing our best to get some articles posted up on there. And I mean, and th- these articles are not why you shouldn't do something or why you should do something. It's just more of how to's and our different theories and tactics that we're going to bring to the table. And I mean, whether they work for you or they don't work for you, they're still pretty interesting to read. You can uh, also get on there and we have some merch on there right now. Some uh, camel real tree buck and strutting outdoors hats. We have a pretty sick whitetail fanatic hat coming uh, with COVID and stuff. Things are in never thought patches would be in short demand, but they are. <laughs> So we're, but, but they're coming, they're coming. So be sure to get on there and check that stuff out. And just, if you get a second after you're listening to this, leave us some form of a review and a rating on whatever podcasting platform you're listening to us on. So stay safe out there folks and hunt relentlessly.